What's going on? Welcome into the Sharp Angle Podcast. How the heck are you? Happy Wednesday. What's today? The 6th? 7th? 6th. 10 6. I should remember this. I do a I do a podcast every single day. I should remember the dates. Anyway, 10 6. Happy Wednesday, hump day. It is trending Wednesday. On today's show, we'll talk about some trending topics in the world of sports. And Wednesdays are fun. Just get to open up Twitter. Crack it open, see what's going on, talk about some sports betting stuff. Now, one thing I definitely want to talk about today is live betting. There's been so much lately about live betting, whether it's uh, there, you know people talking about it on shows, people tweeting about it. And I had a conversation last weekend that kind of prompted me to uh, want to do a show about live betting. So we'll talk about that, what's trending in the world of sports, and more. First things first, special thanks to Better Edge online, betteredge.com. That's B-E-T-T-O-R edge.com. Better Edge, VIG free betting, all while having more fun. Now, here's the thing about VIG free betting. The reason Better Edge can offer it is it's not like they're a sports book who offers the opportunity to bet without a VIG, what they do is they match you up with someone in the country who wants the other side. So if you like a team minus four, there's going to be someone out there who wants the other side plus four. They just match you guys up. No VIG involved. And on top of that, it's so fun to bet with Better Edge. You make a profile. You can follow your friends. It's a social platform where you can bet, which also means it's legal in California, South Carolina, and a lot of other states where you can't bet yet. So check them out online, betteredge.com, B-E-T-T-O-R, edge.com. Use promo code SHARP for a free $10. Also want to thank the bookie online, thebookie.co. The bookie, your sharp sports betting friend that sends you an email each day full of free picks, tips, tools, and strategies you need to know for the day's games. Check them out online, thebookie.co. All right, so let's get to it. Trending Wednesday. Uh, first off, the MLB last night. I mean, it's 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 obviously playoffs in baseball, and it's so funny because so many people out there love baseball playoffs, but don't watch the regular season at all. And I mean, I occasionally bet the regular season, but I mean, I, I'm ready for the playoffs. I'm excited. Last night, Red Sox getting a 6-2, I think 6-2 win at home against uh, New York. And tonight, the Dodgers hosting the Cardinals in L.A. Now, just to give a a quick handicap on tonight's game, I think the price is very accurate. I had uh, around minus 200 or so, which means it'd be about plus 200 for the Cardinals. No vague uh, representation, right? That's what I had tonight's line, right? The the, the Dodgers winning about 66% of the time. And the reason I have that is because the Cardinals, even though they went through that really, really hot stretch in August and September, I mean, I think they won like close to 20 games in a row, something like that, ended up overtaking the Reds and you know solidifying that wild card spot. That's, that's great, but that's the Cardinals playing at their absolute ceiling for a long period of time. And what you can do is if you kind of chart things on a graph, you can go throughout the season and see when teams were playing at their best and when they're playing at their worst. And clearly, when teams are playing at their best, it translates to more wins, okay? So what we have tonight is a team in the Cardinals who caught fire recently, but then they've cooled off and they've gone back to their normal state of baseball, which is not a bad team, but it's certainly not on the level the Dodgers are on, okay? The Dodgers... Better pitching staff, deeper. Max Scherzer's going tonight, who matches up great against uh, uh, St. Louis. So I just think the price is right tonight. I'm not on any particular side, but I, I just want to be careful. If you're if you're planning on betting the Cardinals because they've looked so good, they've been hot. Well, they 
just be careful. They're not playing the same as they were even two weeks ago, and that's difficult to bet on. But uh, tonight, Joe West is behind the plate. And if you're not familiar with Joe West, he is one of the worst home plate umpires in the majors. I have him in my umpire ratings as the fourth worst home plate umpire in baseball. Joe West has been... He, he calls balls outside of the strike zone. So it's very actually, the thing is, Joe West is at least consistently bad. Okay, but that's not what you want in a wild card game. You don't want, well, hey, he's been calling them three inches off the plate all night. That's not, you want your hitters to be in a situation to where they're not having to chase balls three inches off the plate and your pitcher is not having to pitch there all game. Now, I understand it's easier for the pitchers, right? Oh, well, let's just keep hammering it outside. But that changes the, the the approach. If you if you let's put it this way, if your main approach is to pitch, let's say Nolan Arenado inside, right? You work him high and inside, low and inside. You're going north and south, but you're keeping it inside. If Joe West is calling the outside of the plate, that changes the entire approach for that batter. So that's my point. It's not as simple as well. He's calling it outside. Throw it outside. It changes everything when you have such a bad umpire like Joe West. And again. I have him the f- the fourth worst umpire of all my umpire rankings behind the plate, and that's strictly consistently calling pitches in the strike zone ball- uh, strikes and pitches outside the strike zone balls. That's all that means. The consistency of always calling what is defined a strike a strike. Joe West, fourth worst. Think about how many umpires there are. There's a crew of four umpires for every game. There's a lot more umpires than there are, you know, referees in the NBA. So. Joe West is bad. Let's just put it that way. If you're betting on tonight's game, you better understand how does Joe West impact the game? Who does he like to call pitches for or against? How has he dealt with Max Scherzer? How has he dealt with all the pitchers we might see tonight? That's important if you're going to bet tonight's game. All right, let's move on to the NFL. Stephon Gilmore. Uh, so I'm actually confused by this because this morning, like four hours ago, the news was, all right, the Patriots have dropped or released, excuse me, they've released Stephon Gilmore. Okay, and then I get a notification about an hour later saying that they actually traded him to Carolina. So I'm not going to go in depth with all the details. Something happened. I don't know if they traded for the Patriots or they picked him up, but Stephon Gilmore is now on Carolina. And what we're going to focus on is how does that change Carolina? How much is he worth? So Stephon Gilmore, when he was with the Patriots, was worth around a half point. Now that Stephon Gilmore is going to a team with arguably a better defense, certainly a better secondary, you may think, okay, well, we've talked, you know, we've we've discussed this on the podcast before, your value against the point spread has to do with who you're surrounded by and your backups, right? So Tom Brady, if Aaron Rodgers was backing him up, Tom Brady wouldn't be worth anything, maybe a point. But since Tom Brady isn't backed up Aaron Rodgers, he's worth about nine points against the spread, right? It's like the old adage. How much was uh, Joe Montana worth? Uh, about a half point. Why? Because Steve Young was his backup, okay? So it's not just how good are you against the spread. It's always a, it's, it's not a static number. Someone may be one point against the spread or worth one point against the spread on one team, worth two points against the spread on another team, and zero on another team. So it's all about what's going on within the team. So if Stefan Gilmore was worth a half point with the Patriots, how much is he worth with Carolina? 
Since he's surrounded by better talent, you may think, well, it's a downgrade. He's worth less. When in fact, my ratings show he's worth more. And the reason is, it's because Carolina can now focus defensively on stopping the run. They've got J.C. Horn. They've got a great secondary. They can essentially play man-to-man on the outsides, which is not typically what Carolina's been known for. But Matt Rule adjusting this team the way they're playing, getting in the right guys. I think it's a great move for Carolina. And it's funny that a lot of people out there go, Carolina, why Carolina? It's like, well, Carolina's not that far away. If they have Christian McCaffrey back, and if Sam Darnold can play like the 15th to 20th best quarterback in the league, they can easily win their division. Okay, so Carolina, a lot better than people think. I'd say around a .75 upgrade by getting Stephon Gilmore. And... For those new to the show, or those who don't understand how against-the-spread numbers work, what these numbers represent is if this player was out of the game, how much would the spread change? If Tom Brady gets hurt, they the market, or Vegas, or however you want to say it, would adjust the, the point spread about nine points. Okay, If Tampa Bay was a touchdown favorite, seven-point favorite, and Tom Brady got hurt, they would now be two-point underdogs. That's how big a swing it is for Tom Brady to get hurt. So he's worth nine against the spread. Stephon Gilmore, worth 0.75 against the spread, is one of the highest-rated quarterback cornerbacks in the league. And this is one of the main mistakes that people make when they first get into betting the NFL, is they think that players, especially high-profile players, who we all know their names, and especially if you play fantasy football, people think these players are worth a lot more than they actually are. Let's put it this way. Devontae Adams. We all know Devontae Adams. Maybe the best receiver in the league. If not, he's arguably one of the best receivers in the league for Green Bay, right? If Devontae Adams got hurt for next game, the line would shift maybe a point at the most, a point and a half. That's it. There are no, there are no zero non-quarterbacks who are worth more than two points in the league. Not one. Doesn't matter how good they are, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Stephon Gil, any of these guys, and I'm saying Stephon Gilmore, there's other better cornerbacks in the league right now. The best cornerback, the best middle linebacker, the best D-end, whatever it is, Von Miller, TJ Watt, these guys are worth no more than two points against the spread, and even that is probably crazy. So that's just important to remember. When you guys are evaluating, well, how do we rule out this injury? How do we evaluate this injury? Just remember, if you're adjusting three points because a cornerback or a secondary got hurt, or a player in the secondary got hurt, that's too much. Now, where you can start to downgrade heavily, more than one and a half point, is where you have multiple people out at the same position. If Stefan Gilmore gets hurt for Carolina, and so do three other starters in the secondary, now that's a big downgrade, right? Because it's a cluster injury. But either way, just remember, no, zero, non-quarterbacks are worth more than two points, and there's barely any of those out there who are worth two. All right, now let's get to it. The betting live. Live betting. I've seen a lot out there about live betting. And one of the new phenomenons is, which I think is hysterical, is uh, these people on Twitter who give live games out now. So they can't handicap. And it, if you're buying picks on Twitter or getting advice on Twitter, I can't help you out. I mean, it's just not a good move. We've said it before. It's not a good place to be. You get all these... I mean, I feel like there's just a bunch of like 18-year-olds on there. Don't know what the fuck they're talking about. They're making their little... There's this one group of people, and I don't usually like to call 
people out. <laughs> I really don't. You know, part of what we do on here is I think the inclusion and, and people getting excited about sports betting is a good thing. But what happens is you get children involved who don't know anything about sports betting and they start selling picks, giving advice. There's a group of people. Uh, I'm debating whether I should say this, whatever I'll say it. They're called the Coda cappers, K-O-T-A cappers from like one of the Dakotas way up there in the middle of nowhere. And it's a group of friends who give picks out and I've started kind of, this is my pulse on America, right? <laughs> this is how I see, what are people doing? What are people talking about? It's just finding groups like that or people like that. And it's, it's at first it was funny how much bad information they're giving out. And now it's just almost frustrating because people are, are betting on this information and people are talking to me, like, well, I read on Twitter, you should do this, you should do this. It's like, no, that's bad information. As a matter of fact, and the only reason I brought up the Coda Cappers again is because I read this morning, one of their people's like, I can't believe I'm betting NBA preseason. And we've talked about this on the show before. Professionals heavily bet the preseason. Why? Because there's so much information out there readily available and the sports books aren't doing their work to correctly adjust lines. And how do we know this? How do we know the lines are being corrected or adjusted or set accurately for opening lines? We know this because we see preseason lines move about 35 to 40% more on average than regular season lines. So when you see that much movement, by definition, that's a non-efficient market. That's what you want to be betting into. And on top of that, sportsbooks drastically reduce their limits for preseason. And as I've always said, in sports betting and in life, okay, gather around the campfire, kids. This is Uncle Tyler. A little, little tip here. If anybody is desperate to bet you anything, don't bet them. I went golfing with one of my buddies a couple weeks ago. He's like a five handicap. I show up on the golf course. He's like, hey, what's up? How much you playing for? 20, 40, 100, 200? Skins? You know, best ball? It's like, dude, I'm not betting you, right? I know you're better than me. You're desperate to bet. I don't want to bet, okay? Well, whenever anyone's hesitant to bet you, well, you want to play for 10 bucks? I'm not so sure, man. I don't really want to. That's when you want to bet people. Okay. If whenever anyone's desperate and wants more and more of your money on a bet, that's usually a sign walk the other way. Okay. Same thing with the sports books. If they're like, Hey, open limits, bet what you want, make what you want. I mean, that's not a good sign. You know, you can bet five, probably like a couple million dollars on the Super Bowl. Why? Because it's such a tight line. All the information's out there. The sports books know they have a very accurate line. They'll let you bet whatever you want to. Hockey preseason, NBA preseason, you're lucky if you can get down $100 on or a couple hundred bucks on a game. I mean, I have to make my bets for hockey preseason on several different websites because I can't get as much money as I want to down even on three or four different outlets. So you got to start understanding that there's so many people out there giving horrible advice, just so bad, yet they think they're doing a good job. And, and I've said this a lot. I don't necessarily think a lot of these people are scammers or con artists. I think they think they're doing a good job. I think what happens is they win a couple games betting sports and think, huh, I'm good at this. Let me give advice. We're doing a fun experiment on another podcast I do where my dog, Layla, is picking college football games. And the point that we're using there is that she's going to have plenty of 10-0 and 0 runs. Just based on the way data and numbers work, that's going to happen a lot. It's 50-50 even for the worst sports bettors out there picking a game. So 
the worst handicappers out there are going to have 10 game winning streaks. That doesn't mean we should open a Twitter account for my dog and start selling picks. That's what happens, though. People give false attribution to sports betting. They think they're better than they are. They give advice. They sell picks. And inevitably, every single one of them ends up losing. I talked to a uh, sportsbook manager a couple days ago. I was uh, up at Blackhawk, Colorado, and had a chance to kind of talk with one of the managers up there. And he told me, he, it's a sports, it's a DraftKings sports book. So he's tapped in with DraftKings. I guess he's in the monthly meetings. You know, he gets all the info. And what he said is, literally, literally, one out of a million people on their website wins. Point zero 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 one. Think about that. Okay, what I do, what I do for a living, I, I, it's so difficult. And I know I'm working on such razor thin margins. I'm always so terrified to make a mistake. You have to have a very noticeable edge if you're going to make any bet. I've been doing this for four years and I'm still like, all right, well, let's, let's approach each game. Let's, you know, you never get cocky. You never get over the top. You, sports betting is hard to win long term, but you would never think that if you spend any time on social media, on Twitter. Again, one in a million, guys. One in a million people are winning at this. Think about what that means. I mean, I bet in the United States of America, there's maybe 200, 250 people doing this for a, 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 a living. Seriously, I often wonder, am I like one of the only people in Colorado do, making a living betting sports? I seriously think the numbers are that small. But if you get on Twitter, everyone with an account is giving picks out. So that's the thing. There's so much bad advice out there. I know I went on a little bit of a rant, but... I really think that. And I think these people are fucking morons when it comes down to it, but sometimes they don't just don't don't understand how complex this whole thing is. I mean, we do a daily podcast because there's enough to talk about every single day in the industry of sports betting. Okay. So again, a little rambly, a little long-winded there, but I had to get that out. But getting back to the point of live betting, I see a lot of information or a lot of advice out there for betting live. Either what games to bet live, how to bet live, what to look for. And there certainly are some mistakes being made. So let's start with the most obvious one. Betting live is you're going to get all kinds of swings in the line, right? A first down changes the line. Uh, uh, You get past the 50, it changes the line. Hey, a field goal, that'll really change the line. So what people will often do, especially amateur, brand new, square bettors, they will wait for a team they liked before the game, usually a favorite, to maybe give up a touchdown or allow a score, okay? And then they'll take that favorite with the new better price. Let's use an example. Uh, This weekend coming up, the Vikings are hosting the Lions, okay? The Vikings are minus nine. Lions plus nine on the road, Vikings minus nine at home, okay? Well, if you like the Vikings, but you don't like the price of minus nine, and the Detroit Lions... Go down, first possession, manufacture a long drive, put it in the end zone, 7 nothing. Well, the line at that point might move from Minnesota minus 9 to, I don't know, maybe Minnesota, let's say, minus 5.5. Well, if you now like, oh, wait, 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 look, Minnesota, you know, a a decent Minnesota team playing Detroit, they were minus 9, now they're they're minus 5.5. That's value, right? We're getting a team who should be a heavy favorite, minus 5.5. Let's make the bet. That is a common mistake a lot of people make. And the reason is 
because they're not incorporating game state into their handicap. Let's take my example one step further. Let's say the Lions are up 7-0 and then we were playing a quarter, playing another quarter, halftime. Let's fast forward to the third quarter. And let's say the Lions are winning 20-10. to Okay? Lions have a 10-point lead, third quarter, and now it's a pick em. You can get either side, even money, well, minus 110, either side, pick em. And so you make the bet. You go, oh my God, I've got Minnesota for a, a, a pick em here against the Lions. Can you believe that? The mistake that people make is not realizing that there's a game going on, not realizing the game state has changed. And for, an ex- for example, most professionals who know what they're doing, if you ask them right now, do you like Minnesota minus nine? And if they say yes, fine. But if you ask them, okay, well, what if the score is 20 to 10, Detroit's leading in the third? That professional would say, well, hold on, I don't want minus nine anymore. I don't even want minus three anymore. It should probably be closer to a pick'em. Well, guess what the line was? A pick'em. So that's the thing. The, 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 the market in Las Vegas have become really very good at adjusting live prices to the point where the average person can't just go on gut and bet on, will they get a first down? Will they score this drive? Will they do this? There's so much historical information out there that if you don't have that same, that same information that the sports books are using to make those lines, you're at a huge disadvantage. So my point with this is don't just say, ah, well, I got a team for a great price. Now, my job here is done. We, you know, we can watch the game. That's not how, how you should approach this. And I'll use a more example. My buddy called me uh, last weekend, two weekends ago. I forget when it was. It was whenever Oregon lost to Stanford. I think it was this last weekend. And he called me during the game, maybe third quarter, fourth quarter. And he was so proud of himself because he'd got Oregon uh, at a pick em, just like we explained, right? And they were playing Stanford. It was a seven-point game. And he called me and said... I, you know, he was really happy. Hey, I got uh, Oregon, Moneyline, pick them. Can you believe that? And my answer to him, well, actually, I tried to be supportive initially because I didn't have any money on the game. So I was like, yeah, let's go Ducks. But my, what I wanted to say was, well, did you do the math? Do you know what the line should be? Because if you you don't know what the line should be, then how are you saying the line is wrong? (laughs) You know, it's like, how do you say a car is overpriced if you don't know what the Kelly Blue Book value is? Ah, It's an overpriced Jeep. Okay, what what should the price be? I don't know. What? You you shouldn't bet anything unless you know what the price should be. And I'm sure there were thousands, probably tens of thousands of people in America who made that Oregon bet. Wait a minute, Oregon, they're going to come back and win. It's minus 105, minus one. Ah, let's make the bet not incorporate. Did you watch the game? Why was Stanford winning? How were they winning? Were they shutting down what the Ducks did well? Were there injuries? I don't know, but you need to incorporate that if you're going to bet live. So the idea that you're going to take a team perceived to be better during the game when they're losing, and that's now a good bet, it's never about the team. It's always about the number. It's not about betting Oregon. It's not about betting the Cowboys. It's not about betting the, the Buccaneers. What are they charging? And I find myself, unfortunately, well, let me repeat that. I find myself fortunately because that's how I make money. I say unfortunately because I never get to bet on like the avalanche who I love or, you know, soccer teams that I like because I like a lot of the better teams. But I, I find myself not betting those great teams all the time because by definition, they're overpriced. They're inflated. If you want to bet on Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes, maybe before this year, 
you usually have to pay a premium, okay? When you're going to bet in hockey on the Colorado Avalanche or Vegas Golden Knights, you have to pay a premium. In, the, in basketball, when, you, when it's the LA Lakers or the Brooklyn Nets, you have to pay a premium, generally. So don't wait until the, the game and they're not looking great and then bet them live. What you're doing essentially is you've waited until you've seen them look bad and then you've taken a worse number. And the worst number isn't based on the pregame number. The worst number is based on what should the line be now and what are they charging now. So just keep in mind, whenever you approach your next live bet, it's not about, well, I have a good team against a bad team. If they're losing, there's probably a reason why. Live bet based on the number, not the team. All right, thanks so much for listening today. Good luck, whatever you have going on. If you're betting on the NL uh, wildcard game tonight, have fun. Joe West is unpredictable. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow on The Sharp Angle.